Hey, everybody. You're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. Today, I want you to say the difference. The difference. That was a test. We're not quite awake. (laughs) Say the difference is in the oil. I've got one of these words today that Uh, No pastor really ever wants to preach, so lucky you. Um, But also, it's something that I couldn't shake. And it's really cool to trust in God when we're not in a series and we're not in something, you just kind of got to go, okay, Lord, what are you saying to your church? What are you saying? Today, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 24. And this is sort of the verses before the verses that we're going to talk about. And Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 to 44, Jesus is explaining all of the signs of the times that we're going to see before he comes back again. And he starts talking about some things that actually have already been fulfilled in our world and some things that haven't yet. And he says this, he says, therefore, in verse 42, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Now, if you're new to the faith, if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to our church, I just want to let you know, Jesus is coming back again. Okay, so Jesus came, he walked the earth, he lived, he was God made flesh, he died, he was resurrected, and now he is up in heaven. But the plan is that Jesus is coming back again. That's the plan, okay? Now, this is actually good news for us, okay? Those who believe in him, he's coming back. He's coming to rule and reign. Evil, sickness, disease, death, destruction, all of that is going to be destroyed when Jesus comes back, okay? This is something that we believe. It's what the word of God says. However, it will be a little bit terrifying for people who don't believe in Jesus. And Jesus kind of gives this story. And it's not just going to be terrifying for people who don't believe. It's going to be terrifying for another group as well. And this is what we're going to talk about today. We're actually going to be in Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. Jesus tells the story immediately following what we just read. 
He said, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins or 10 bridesmaids is what that's translated to. 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. This is a real sobering parable. This is the one we don't really talk about a whole lot. And there's a few elements to this story that we're going to look at today that are really important to us. Now, just to give you some context, Jesus is comparing his return to a Jewish wedding, okay? Not all of us know about the history behind an ancient Jewish wedding, but what would happen was there would be a covenant between a, a bride and a groom. They would be legally, contractually, basically married, okay? And then there would be about one year between when the covenant was made and when the actual wedding celebration would happen. And what would happen is after the covenant was made, there was a fee paid by the bridegroom. He paid for his bride. Hello, Jesus paid for us. Okay. And then the bridegroom would go and he would prepare a home for him and his bride to live in. He would literally prepare a place and he wouldn't return until it was time for the celebration to take place. What a picture of Jesus coming back again. And this is the cool part is when it says lamps, like the virgin had to keep oil for their lamps. These were actually torches. So in this day, there was like a, a wooden uh, or some sort of a, a rod with a cloth on top and they would continually dip it in oil to keep it burning. So when you hear lamp, I want you to think about a torch. Now, torches were an essential part of a wedding procession. And normally, this is standard Jewish culture. Okay, for those of you that are like, Jesus, that was really harsh. Like, wow, they didn't have extra oil and you didn't let them in. Okay, this is a standard part of Jewish culture. Torches were essential, and normally those carrying the torches brought a spare quantity of oil in a container just in case there was a delay because they were responsible for lighting the way of the bridegroom and the bride to their home. And so the wedding party would create 
a lit path for this couple to make their way into their new home. Okay? I didn't know if you would clue into this, but you and I are called the light of the world. You and I are called the light in the darkness. There's a reason this parable is not about falling asleep. It's not about the day and the hour Jesus is coming back again. It's about your responsibility to keep your light burning. Now, on the outside, these 10 bridesmaids all looked the same. They all had torches. But the difference was in the oil. And you can say, well, maybe they didn't know they were supposed to bring extra. Jesus, if you're, if you're the reader reading this in his day, the, the reader would have looked at that and went, why didn't they bring the extra oil? Everybody knows you're supposed to bring extra oil. What if, you know, there's an accident? What if somebody gets caught up? What if things are running behind? This was a standard practice. It's like, fill your car up with gas. Duh. Or you're, you're dying on the side of the highway. This is what the readers are thinking. Like, I don't understand. Why wouldn't you bring the extra oil? And the interesting thing about this story is everyone had a lit torch. This story is not about the believer and the unbeliever. This story is about 10 people who were planning on being there. 10 people who were planning on being a part of this wedding celebration. They all had torches lit. They all at one point or another had said yes to their savior. But Jesus talks to the church in Revelation 3.15. And he says, I know all the things that you do, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Then he goes on to say, you think you've got it all, but you're actually poor and wretched. And he says, what you need to do is you need to buy the gold that I have. And then he says, don't you see, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. This is about people who are on fire for Jesus and people who are meh, indifferent. You know that Jesus is saying here, I'd rather you be one or the other. Because then you wouldn't be lying to yourself. You wouldn't be like the bridesmaids waiting with your torch and he finally shows up and you're not prepared. You're not ready. The foolish, remember, not that they had no oil at all. It's just they weren't prepared for the delay. <laughs> they didn't have any extra. They looked the part but the bridegroom is delayed. Second Peter verses chapter three, verses eight 
and forward says, you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent or to turn from their sin. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. He goes on to say all the things that are going to happen. He says, since everything around us is going to be destroyed, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God's coming. And he continues in verse 14. He says, and so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Amen. God is patient. He's patient for our sake. But Peter also says, what holy lives you should be living. Because some of us look around in the world and the wars and we're like, Jesus, you got to come back now. It's getting bad. And he won't because he's patient, because he wants every single person to have an opportunity to make it right. Did you know that the Bible said it is not his will that one person should perish? People who say, oh, God created hell for all the evil people. No, he didn't. Hell was created for the devil and all of his angels. The only people that are walking into hell are people who have chosen to go there. They have heard. They have been given a chance, many times chance after chance after chance after chance. And they have said, no, my way, not yours. God is so patient. But can I tell you something? What Peter's saying here, did you know your life is too valuable to act like you have more time? And this is what I want to say to you. Some of you are delaying obedience in your life. God has asked you to do something. He's called you to walk away from something. He's called you to walk into something. And guess what? You're not doing it. Because you think, I've got more time. I've got more time. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit longer. You know, let me just wait and see how things play out. But the Bible's very clear that you and I need to live ready. We need to live ready. The thought of standing before Jesus now and him asking, did you do everything I asked you to do, should not terrify you. And if it does, I want you today to have a good hard look at yourself before God and go, why am I terrified to meet you? Why am I terrified to stand before you and have you taken account of my life? You know, immediately following this story, Jesus tells the parable of the talents. This is called the Olivet Discourse. It's all meant to be read and studied together. He's saying the same thing in different ways over and over. And in the parable of the talents, remember the guy who takes what God gave him and buried it? 
he was the one that was like, maybe later, maybe when things get a little bit easier, maybe when more of the stars align. And God's like, no, no, I gave it to you now. The thing about a delay, I'm sure we all know this. <laughs> we all know this. A delay is a test. A delay is a test. And tests are designed to show you where you're really at and what you've really learned. And can I tell you that the Bible is full of delays? It's full of delays. And God's saying, will you keep your eyes focused on me? Will you be faithful and alert while you are waiting? Scholars of this parable tell us that there is a massive emphasis on the bridegroom being late. Okay, I'm not talking about running around screaming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. This is not chicken little. But what can happen in the delay of his return, which is our time now that we're living in, this season, this is called like the preparatory season. We're preparing this earth for his coming. That's why it's our job to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth and give people opportunities to say yes to Jesus. Some of us are living like we have so much time. We're avoiding conversations. We're avoiding preaching the gospel. We're avoiding being bold. We're avoiding doing the brave thing because we think we have more time. And Jesus is going to show up and we're not ready. Here's what happens. It's funny because Jesus said, Matthew 24, Matthew 25, over 2,000 years ago. He's patient. He wants everyone to have a chance. And here is where we find ourselves, and we see these five bridesmaids hear the announcement that he's coming, and they go into a complete panic. Have you ever been in a panic? Like, you're not prepared. Like, the doorbell rang and visitors from afar arrived and you're looking around your house and you're like, I wasn't ready for this. This place is a mess. I've got no food. Or how about those dreams? Maybe I'm the only one that gets those dreams, but sometimes on a Saturday night before a Sunday, I'll have a dream. I've had a reoccurring one for years. Work mares. <laughs> where I've gone to sit down at the piano and I have no idea what songs we're doing and I haven't practiced and I don't have the music in front of me and I don't know what's going on. That There is nothing worse than feeling completely unprepared. What a horrible feeling. And we're just panicking. And so now what happens in this parable is this deflection of responsibility. So now the foolish bridesmaids are panicking and they're like going to the wise ones going, can't you just give us some of yours? And I can imagine as a human being in this situation, they were probably a little bit annoyed. Like you have extra. Why won't you share with us? I didn't know it was going to take this long. What excuses were they making? And you know what? When we're caught unprepared, 
it is so natural for us to start deflecting responsibility. Well, I would have done that, but so-and-so said this to me, or this person hurt me, or don't you know all that I went through? I, I would be more in my word, but I'm so busy. I'm working 60 hours a week. I would come and pray, but you know what? I prayed that one time and it didn't work out. And it's all of the deflection and all of the blame, and it's always everybody else's fault. But what we realize here in this story is your oil is your responsibility. Write it down. My oil is my responsibility. You don't get to share anyone else's oil. That's up to you and you alone. And in the end, they had oil at one point, but they didn't have extra. And the change, the change in your life, you can come to church every Sunday and you should. The change in your life is only going to truly come when you start getting your own oil. I'm going to break down a little bit more of what that means. You know, sometimes in church, there's like this religious saying, Again, it's just such a deflection of responsibility. It's like, oh, well, I'm not being fed here. Can I tell you something? The Bible says that all scripture is good for teaching, for correction. And as long as the church you're going to is teaching scripture then that word should never come out of your mouth. Unless you, by some miracle, have mastered Genesis to Revelation, then please come see me after service because I want to meet you. Your oil is your responsibility. It is not my responsibility as a pastor in this church to give you my oil. My job here on a Sunday is to get, get the, the gears turning in your heart and in your spirit so that you'll go out these doors and seek him for yourself. And if you are constantly deflecting your spiritual growth as somebody else's problem, I hate to tell you, but you're compared to the foolish one in this story the one who didn't have enough. Someone else's oil will never be able to keep your fire burning. Let me tell you something. When the bridegroom arrived, it was too late. It was too late. And they panicked and they knew the problem and they ran out. And they tried to make it right. They went to the store. They tried to buy oil. By the time they got back, it was all done. Our God is merciful and he's long suffering and he's patient and he's waiting. But there is going to come a day when that's going to be over. And he's going to arrive and it's going to be too late. And the Bible tells us 
that we should live like that day is coming at any moment. Don't delay what you know is right. Tomorrow is not a guarantee for you. Look at what's happening with our brother Phil. Two months ago, you wouldn't have known one thing is wrong. And in two months, we're fighting for a miracle for his life. Tomorrow is not promised to you. Jesus never promised you tomorrow. We have to wake up and start living like our lives matter before God. And you know what? I was wrestling with God like, wow, this is where you want me to go. I got to tell you, for 2024, you're going to need this. I'm going to need this because we're not going to make it if we don't have our own oil. As the darkness gets darker, what happens? The light gets lighter, except if you let your light burn out, which is your choice. It's your choice. And then what we see here in the next section of the story is the five bridesmaids are refused entry. They're not allowed to come in. Matthew 7, 21 says, Jesus said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. This messes with us a little bit. In another text, it says that people are going to stand before God and say, but God, I did miracles in your name. I cast out demons. And he's going to go, I never knew you. How does that happen? How do you get before God and you've done all these crazy great things in his name? And he's like, but I don't know you. How does that happen? Some of us would look at this and think, wow, this is heartless. This is a heartless rejection. But the truth is, and let's go back to this comparison to this wedding. The truth is, is the people who got the door shut in their face were not people who were eager and had a lifelong desire to build the kingdom of God. This is a rejection of people who, despite what they acted and looked like on the outside, never actually did what God told them to do. What happened with the parable of the talents? God gives each person a mission, a portion of his kingdom and his life to build and to grow. And the one who buried it, it says God called him wicked and lazy and cast him out from his presence. I'm afraid that we've gotten confused with the grace of God. The oil in this story is not the grace of God. The grace of God is given freely to all who will believe and receive it. But Romans talks about we're actually not just supposed to be hearers of the word. We're supposed to be doers of the word. And Jesus said, only the people who actually do my will are the ones who are going to come in. 
and be a part of this feast and this celebration. And some of us are like, well, how do I do that? How do I do God's will for my life? I want to tell you something. God's will for you is in his word. But many of us, we don't want to go and figure that out for ourselves. Can you just give me like a keynote bullet point presentation on what God's will is for my life so that I can just know it so that I can make sure that I just get it done? But that's not what the word says. The, the word of God, the Bible is full of his will for your life, how you should live, how you can build his kingdom, what your responsibility is as a believer. You're not in the dark about it. And these bridesmaids weren't in the dark about the fact that they needed extra oil. They knew. First Thessalonians 4, 8 says, but you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and to night. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert. Be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. We shouldn't be surprised. This says we should be confident. God, I know you saved me. Let me tell you something. There is nothing more freeing than knowing that you are living in the will of God. Do not believe the lie that the more earthly pleasures you allow yourself to have, the happier you will be. There is nothing more fulfilling, freeing, and that will bring more joy to your life than living a life for Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing. There is nothing more freeing than knowing, Jesus, if you came back in this moment, I could stand confidently in my salvation and know that I did what you asked me to do. At that point, even death has lost its sting. You don't even have to be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid. Because you know that you know that you know that you're living. You lived exactly as he wanted you to live. Some of us are delaying obedience because we want the things of this world just a little bit longer. And friends, let me tell you, you don't have any more time. For some of you, this might be your last opportunity to get your heart right with Jesus. This might be your final moment. And I don't want you to be full of fear and panic, but I do want to communicate what the scripture is saying, that you have to be ready. You have to be ready. There's a story in the Old Testament about Noah and the ark. 
And I'm wrapping up here. And it says that it took about 100 years for him to build this boat. And they'd never seen rain. And he's telling people, the rain is coming. A flood is coming. You got to get ready. You got to be ready. And people are laughing at him. They're mocking him. It says in scripture that even until the last day, there were people feasting and celebrating and drinking and partying. I can't imagine what happened when the spring started to burst from underneath the earth and no one his family are in the ship and God already said, close the door. How many days did they listen to people banging and pounding on the doors saying, please let me in. I'm going to die out here. But it was too late. This whole picture, this is a message for another day, is a picture of Jesus. There was one door on that boat. They had a chance. A hundred years they had a chance. And it was too late. Ephesians 5, 15 to 18 says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. The original translation of this says, be being filled with the Spirit. It's a continual process. The oil in this story is the measure of which Christ's Spirit is on the inside of you and is allowed to be Lord of your life. That is why you can't borrow someone else's. But we see here that God isn't a God of just enough. He doesn't want you to have just enough oil to make it through. He wants you to have so much of him, life, abundant life, overflowing on the inside of you that even on the day of his return, you can say, I could have kept going. I could have kept loving people. I could have kept preaching your word, Jesus. You have more than enough. He doesn't want to just supply the bare minimum of your life. It says he wants it pressed down, shaken together, running over. This bare minimum, survival, lukewarm Christianity, it's not for you, my friend. And the Bible says that God's just going to let everybody just grow together in the same field until the end. And then he's going to separate the ones who actually did. But let me tell you something. We need the oil of the Holy Spirit. We need the oil of his presence. It's necessary to keep the fire burning. You know, in the Old Testament, and the New Testament, there's like this direct connection of oil being used to anoint 
for special use. And the spirit of the Lord and anointing with oil are directly linked. So if you think I'm making this up, I'm not. It says in 1 Samuel 16, 13, it says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Luke 14, 8, Luke 4, 18, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Acts 10, 37 says, you know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. The oil is the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the active spirit of God in your life. And the Bible talks that we need to keep being filled. Keep being filled. We have to keep the fire burning. And I want to ask you this today, and we're going to pray. Is your fire burning? Are you just going through the motions, or are you on fire with your mission from heaven? You know that the church only functions as a body, and it doesn't matter if the finger is super pumped about the mission, okay? If I don't have the support of the hand and the arm and the brain and the nervous system, it doesn't matter how excited my finger is. And I want to tell you something, church. This only works when all of us are on fire for Jesus. This isn't, I appreciate John Wesley. I set myself on fire and the people come and watch me burn. Okay, that wasn't the point. The point was, for you to be on fire and for you to go out with your torch into your neighborhood, into your job, into your family and start lighting fires everywhere you go. But some of us were afraid, we're shy. Oh, someday I'll, maybe I'll get to have that conversation. What if that day is today? Some of you, there's literally a grace. You're supposed to make a decision. You're supposed to step out and do something. And there's a grace right now for you to do it. And you're living like that grace is never going to disappear. You're living like, oh, let me tell you something. When God says now, he means now. Wednesday night when we got that call in the morning about Phil, Oh, why don't we just plan something for next week? We'll just go pray for him next week. No, it's right now. We showed up within hours right now. The more you delay and you delay and you delay, I can promise you the harder and harder it's going to be to actually do it. If you don't tend to your fire, it's going to go out on its own. If you don't refill your oil, it's going to run out. And it was the oil that made the difference. 
When you look on the outside, there was no difference. But it's the oil that makes the difference. Are you a hearer of the word or are you a doer of the word? Are you here to actually build his kingdom? Or are you taking your torch and covering it with a basket? And going, maybe one day when I have a little bit more confidence. Maybe one day. You know, this oil is an active daily relationship with Jesus. It's an active daily relationship with his word. It's walking and living by faith. It's walking in obedience to what you do know. Let me tell you something. If you're sitting here or you're sitting in another church somewhere else and you're going, I'm not being fed here, let me give you a tip. Be obedient to what you already do know. Because maybe you're not being fed because you're so full that nothing else can fit in there because you haven't actually worked out the thing that you know already. Let me tell you something. I've been in church my entire life. I can receive from a child who speaks the word of God. I don't need some professor. I don't need some eloquent. Paul said, yeah, I know I'm not very eloquent. Sorry. I don't need somebody. What you're really saying is I'm not being fed what I want to hear. I'm not being fed what I think I should be being fed. Your oil, my oil is my responsibility. People who walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, overflowing, maturing in Christ, these are the people who are prepared for Jesus to come back again. These are the people who are living like it matters. People who are living like one day they're going to stand before God and he's going to show you the file folder of your life. I want to look forward to that. The Bible talks about that we should be eagerly expectant for it. Walking in, it, it, it actually says, excitement and love for his reappearing. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray for a couple people, a couple groups in this room. I feel so strongly today in this space. If you're in this place and you know you're not ready, you know that you've delayed your obedience, you know Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart and you said, not yet. I want to live a little more. I want to do a little more for myself. Let me tell you today, today is your day. He is here. He wants to come and take up residence in your heart. He wants to fill you with his oil. He doesn't want you living in fear. He doesn't want you living bound by the sin by your earthly desires, by things that you know destroy you that you can't stop. If that's you in this place, we're going to pray. And I implore you, 
I encourage you. I lovingly nudge you and say, you might not get another opportunity. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Will you say yes to him today? Will you open your heart? Will you stop blaming? We all have a story, our childhood, our parents, our lack of parents. But he's a good father. He comes in. He makes all things new. The Bible says that when you accept him, your old life is gone and a new life has begun. If that's you in this place, I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. I want you to raise your hand today in boldness like you know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray this together as a church. And if you have your hand raised, I want you to say it out of your own mouth so you can hear yourself. Let's pray together. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus. I want to be ready. Would you forgive me for not letting you in, for delaying my obedience? Come into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your oil. Give me a fresh start. Help me to live in your will, in what you have for me. I turn from my own way and I turn towards you. Forgive me. Thank you that you love me, that you created me, that you have a good purpose for my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate. We have people that said yes to Jesus in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And lastly, I want to pray for all of us in this room that are Christians, that have said yes to Jesus, maybe at many points in our life. But we're mailing it in. And we're blaming other people for the reason that we don't have enough oil. We're blaming circumstances. We're delaying the things that God has told us to do because we think we've got more time. And Father, would you help each and every one of us to live as if you're coming back again, to live as a city on a hill, as a light that cannot be put out, as a beacon of hope to our families, to our coworkers, to our children. Would you start a fire in us, a fresh fire that cannot be put out for 2024? We do not want this year to put out our fire. God, would you help us Fill us with your spirit. Fill us to overflowing. Let this be the year of more than enough 
not just enough to get by and to survive and to make it through another year, but God, let us walk out of this year overflowing with your presence, overflowing with your power, overflowing with your love and your spirit. Let this house be overflowing with your glory, God. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.